You're listening to the Posh Corps Podcast, a monthly series which explores the modern Peace Corps experience. I'm Alan Toth, and I'm here today with Lauren Schwartzman. Hi. Lauren served in Peace Corps Panama, and I interviewed her for our previous episode. And as it turned out, Lauren is also a documentary filmmaker. So she's now producing segments for Posh Corps. So Lauren, what are you working on now? Um, well, we've talked about working on... Um... A few segments maybe about mental health in the Peace Corps, and then also maybe about relationships and dating during the Peace Corps, after the Peace Corps, that sort of thing. And what, what is it that interests you about Peace Corps dating? Um, well, I got back a few months ago and I'm just starting to date again, and it's really interesting because um, all of the dating apps kind of happened while I was in the Peace Corps and became more mainstream and I'm trying them out and it's a really interesting experience. And then apparently there's also a website for um, finding other return volunteers or people in a similar field as well for dating. So I might try that out and see how it goes. You're going to try the RPCV dating site yes. to see if that works. Yeah. That should be interesting. You can take a recorder and your date. <laughs> Just tell the guys, I'm recording you. I'm recording this whole thing. Yes. It's not creepy at all. The, the requirement for this date is that it's all on the record. <laughs> <laughs> that should be good. <laughs> well, welcome, Lauren. I'm really glad that you decided to help us out with the podcast. Today's episode is about one of the most controversial Peace Corps stories of the last few years. Nick Castle was a Peace Corps volunteer serving in China. He attended in-service training in January of 2013, where he became seriously ill. He officially passed away in the hospital in Chengdu, China, on February 7, 2013. The story of Nick's passing and the confusion surrounding the event were extensively covered by the New York Times. Our story is about Nick's service in Peace Corps China. We'll hear from Nick's Peace Corps friends and his parents. We'll also be discussing the lackluster response from the Peace Corps community following Nick's passing. Today's episode is entitled Stonewall. He who does not rouse himself when it is time to rise, who, though young and strong, is full of sloth, whose will and thought are weak, that lazy and idle man never finds the way to knowledge. That's a quote from the Dhammapada, a Buddhist scripture. It's the first entry in a blog by Nick Castle. Nick served as a Peace Corps volunteer in China. According to Nick's brother, Chris Castle, the Buddhist scripture is significant. I remember him first expressing interest in the Peace Corps to me was uh, probably, I don't know, his junior or senior year in college, because he, he knew he wanted to go to China, specifically uh, studying Chinese politics, so it's, it's been an interest of his for a while. Chris, I was wondering, would you say that Nick was Buddhist? <sighs> like I said earlier, me and Nick... Uh, expressed a lot of the same interests. We shared a lot of the same interests, and I think he got that a lot from me because when I was, um, you know, 15, 16, like everyone, you know, exploring themselves and figuring out what they believe in and, and who they are, that was something that really drawn me was Buddhism, and uh, I think that also kind of influenced his decision to go to China because, you know, um, China is filled with a lot of different sects of Buddhism, and, and um, they live a different way of life than, than Westerners, and he was, uh, he was drawn to that. 
Nick left for China in July of 2012. He arrived in Chengdu, China with about 60 other Peace Corps volunteers. This group of volunteers stayed in Chengdu for two months of pre-service training. It was in Chengdu that Nick first met Peace Corps volunteer Alex Escobar. Nick just was like a super laid-back, level-headed person that really was like so excited to be in China. Um, he wanted to be a Peace Corps volunteer pretty much his whole life, I think, and it was just like a big dream of his, and he was so excited to be in China, and I felt like he just knew so much more about the country than I did. Yeah, he was very level-headed all the time, and, and I remember like at times when when the big group would come together on those Friday sessions, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed from the week. He was like the calm person that you could kind of go to, and, and he'd be like, Alex, it's going to be okay. <laughs> like, And um, I think that that's probably why I gravitated towards him, just as a friend, um, because he was like very calm. At the end of training, the volunteers were assigned to a permanent site. Nick was assigned the city of Tongren in southwestern China. He took the train from Chengdu to Tongren. The following is an entry from Nick Castle's blog. Traveling on trains in China is a necessary and semi-reliable means of transportation. There are four different types of tickets, standing only, hard seat, hard bed, and soft bed. For short journeys, a hard seat is perfectly fine, but 10 to 12 hours is about my limit. They aren't exactly normal airplane or bus seats. The seats are more of a bench and the backs are unnaturally straight. I don't believe humans were made to sit in chairs like these for long train rides, so I hate them. Nick, like all Peace Corps volunteers in China, taught English at a local university. This is an English corner, that's singing corner. Nick took a video camera to China and recorded short clips of his day-to-day experiences. One clip was recorded by a student. It is dusk. Nick is surrounded by his students. He looks tired, like he just wants to go home and go to sleep. But the students are not letting Nick leave until he sings a song. Sing a song. You sing a song. I teach you a song this week in class. A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P Q R S. I know the alphabet. Nick would call me maybe once a week from Tongren and we would just check in with each other and I remember he would tell me wherever he would go not all the time but a lot people would ask him to like sing or dance because he's an American <laughs> and they think they think every American is from Hollywood and an actress or actor or singer um, and then he would tell me you know people would come up to him and like you have blonde hair and blue eyes even though he has brown hair and brown eyes <laughs> and he'd be like no it's brown and I'd grab his hair no blonde blonde hair Nick was only 23 years old he had just recently graduated from UC Berkeley so he was actually about the same age as his students so Nick was not just a teacher he was a peer and as such he formed a very close friendship with the students they would often cook dinner together Cooking homemade Chinese dishes was a great way to integrate and learn more about Chinese culture. Hello. 
In mid-January of 2013, Nick traveled to Chengdu for in-service training. In-service training, or IST, is the first major training event that volunteers attend after moving to their permanent site. All the volunteers traveled to Chengdu where they were joined by Peace Corps China staff for a week of language and cultural classes. Nick arrived in Chengdu a week early to visit friends. He was elated about finally being able to get German beer and McDonald's. Not ashamed to admit how much I like McDonald's in China. It is impossible for me to get a cheeseburger in my part of Guizhou. Please feel free to donate to the Nick Castle Hamburger Fund so I can start a franchise in Tongren. On Tuesday, January 22nd, Nick checked into the hotel where IST took place. I was walking down the street and I saw Nick and I was pretty, like, I was getting, I was, like, walking to the hotel. But I remember seeing Nick and being, like, super excited to see him and be like, hey, Nick, like, what's up? And, like, giving him a huge hug and then, like, just going on my way because I had to, like, go check in to, like, the hotel and get, get stuff situated. I remember being at IST and sitting next to him and he was like already trying to learn like Hanzo, which is China, which are the Chinese characters. And he was like writing them all down. And like, I was like, man, like I haven't even like, I can't even speak this language still. And it's only like, we're six months in. And he was like trying to, um, he really like wanted to read Chinese. During the first few days of IST, Nick attended classes with the other volunteers. On Friday night, the volunteers held a talent show and pizza night. It was a tradition among volunteers in Peace Corps China. Following the pizza night, many of the volunteers started to feel ill. We were there, and everyone just seemed to be sick, and so a lot of people were, like, missing their sessions. They were missing language training, and I had to be one of those people as well. And so, yeah, it was just people were, like, throwing up. Some people had really bad diarrhea. We were all just trying to, like, take care of each other, I think. We were just trying to help each other out because everyone was sick with something weird. Nick was feeling sick as well. By Saturday afternoon, he was too sick to attend classes. He went back to his hotel room to rest. Nick was a very private person. He didn't want to burden anyone by asking for help. But by Sunday, it was apparent to Nick's roommate, another Peace Corps volunteer named Trevor, that Nick needed medical attention. Peace Corps volunteers do not simply go to a local hospital when they are sick. Their primary medical needs are handled by so-called Peace Corps Medical Officers, or PCMOs. These medical professionals are employed by Peace Corps specifically to treat volunteers. Trevor told Nick to call the PCMOs. Later that day, as Trevor was out of the hotel room attending classes, he ran into one of the PCMOs, Dr. Gao Jin. Dr. Gao is a gynecologist who had been working as a PCMO for several years. Trevor told Dr. Gao that Nick was ill and needed to see her. Dr. Gao called Nick's cell phone, but there was no answer. So she told Trevor to have Nick call her. A warning, the following information is disturbing. At 2 a.m. on Monday morning, Nick began vomiting. Trevor described it as more severe than regular vomiting. Nick continued vomiting on and off until about 7 a.m. At about 8, Trevor called the PCMOs and held the phone up to Nick's ear so he could talk. Nick's responses led Trevor to believe that he had not previously spoken with the PCMOs regarding his illness. Nick was speaking with Dr. Gao. She was currently riding a bicycle to the hotel, and she promised to visit Nick's room. She arrived at about 9 a.m. She assessed Nick's condition and diagnosed him with gastroenteritis and dehydration. She prescribed oral ciprofloxin, also known as Cipro. Cipro is a wide-spectrum antibiotic. 
The prescription was a bit odd, because Nick had been sick with gastroenteritis back in Tongren a few months ago. Dr. Gao had prescribed oral Cipro on that occasion as well, and Nick had had a bad reaction to the drug. The Cipro caused further vomiting and aggravated his condition, necessitating a hospital visit. This time, however, Dr. Gao stayed in the room with Nick for about 30 minutes to make sure that he didn't vomit. By 10 a.m., Dr. Gao had left the room to check on other sick volunteers. By 2 p.m., she was back at the Peace Corps office in Chengdu when she received a phone call from the hotel where ISD was taking place. Housekeeping had discovered a Peace Corps volunteer laying in his bed, covered in his own vomit. It was Nick. Dr. Gao returned to Nick's hotel room, where she found Nick laying in Trevor's bed. The hotel maid was changing the sheets on Nick's bed. When she finished, Nick crawled out of Trevor's bed and back into his own. Dr. Gao attempted to take Nick's pulse and blood pressure, but she was unable to get a blood pressure reading. She decided that her blood pressure cuff must be defective, so she called the Peace Corps office and asked them to have another cuff sent to the hotel. Back at the Peace Corps office, Dr. Bing Ji volunteered to take the blood pressure cuff. Dr. Bing was a trained cardiologist who was working part-time at the Peace Corps China office. When Dr. Bing arrived with the cuff, Dr. Gao instructed her to take Nick's blood pressure. It was low, but Dr. Bing told Dr. Gao that she didn't need to take Nick's blood pressure to know that his condition was serious. Nick was pale, his hands and feet were cold, his breathing was labored. Dr. Bing told Dr. Gao that if Nick didn't get IV fluid within 30 minutes, he would die. Dr. Bing suggested they take Nick to the hospital immediately. Dr. Gao stated that she did not like the idea of taking Nick to the local hospital because the PCMOs might easily lose control of Nick if he was admitted. She instead called another PCMO, Candace Christian, and asked her to come to the hotel with IV fluid. Candace Christian was an American physician's assistant who worked as a PCMO in China. She arrived at the hotel at approximately 3.15 p.m. with the IV fluid. She spoke with Nick and tried to take his blood pressure, but it was too low to be detected. Christian told Dr. Gao that they needed an ambulance immediately. An ambulance was called. A few minutes later, Nick vomited explosively. The PCMOs worked frantically, turning Nick on his side and working to clear the vomit from his airway. The PCMOs called the ambulance again for an update, but the ambulance driver had become lost in the winding streets surrounding the hotel. At this point, Nick suddenly sat up straight in the bed. He struggled to breathe for a few moments, and then collapsed. After this point, he was unresponsive. The IV fluid was never administered. The ambulance arrived at approximately 3.30 p.m., there was a disagreement between the PCMOs and the ambulance crew over the proper course of treatment. The PCMOs insisted that oxygen should be administered, but the ambulance crew wanted to start an IV. Nick was placed on a stretcher and carried down three flights of stairs. He was loaded onto the ambulance. PCMOs Gao and Christian forced their way onto the ambulance, where the disagreement over treatment continued. Neither oxygen nor IV fluid were ever administered during transport. At some point during transit, Nick's heart stopped. The ambulance arrived at the hospital at 4.08 p.m. Nick had no heartbeat and he was not breathing. CPR was performed and Nick's heart started beating again at 4.26 p.m. Nick was taken to the intensive care unit and placed on life support. Nick's brain had been deprived of oxygen for at least 18 minutes.
Peace Corps headquarters in Washington, D.C. was informed of the situation. They immediately called Nick Castle's parents, Dave and Sue Castle, in California. It was a 2 a.m. Monday, you know, because of the time change. So it was 2 a.m. Monday, our time, that they called. And I remember, you know, looking at the phone, because, you know, when the phone rings at 2 a.m., you're hoping it's the wrong number or something. It's usually not good news. Yeah. And I picked it up, and, and it was like, hi, this is Brenda calling from Peace Corps in Washington, D.C., and your son Nick is very ill. Um, he's in the hospital, he's on a ventilator, and he's in a coma. And it was like um, they didn't have a lot of information. All the information... They didn't was... have a lot of information that they were providing to us. They didn't want to... I'm sure they knew what had happened and where it had happened and the circumstances, but they weren't... They, what they told us is they, they didn't have that information. And so then we were up all night talking to Brenda, I guess, almost hourly, trying to get updates, trying to find out what's going on. And at some point, I just told Sue, we, we have to get to China. we got to bring him home. The Peace Corps facilitated emergency visas for the castles and bought their plane tickets. They flew to Beijing, where a representative from the U.S. State Department met them and joined them for their connecting flight to Chengdu. And we told them, as soon as... As soon as we arrive in Chengdu, we want to go see Nick. So as soon as we got off the plane... Uh, they we, took us to the hospital. We went to the hospital and, and uh, walked in and um, saw Nick. Um, and then we had a meeting um, after we met with them. Then there was... Because um, this was about midnight, their time. And we had a meeting with all the medical personnel. They had stayed... Um, just because they knew we were coming. You know, they basically said that um, he was in a coma. It was medically induced. They, they didn't tell us on that meeting how critical Nick was. So this is the thing that I didn't know through any of the reports, is that they told you that it was medically induced. Yeah. But, you know, they're saying that it was medically induced, that they did it as a preventative measure, and I guess technically they resuscitated him and then put it on it. But it's a bit dishonest, right? Yes, and I would say, um, yeah, because it's like, you know, we went over there with a lot of hope. And, of course, anybody who has a child that is ill or injured or in this kind of situation, of course you want hope. You want to believe that they're going to get better. Um, but when we went to that meeting, I, had, I just had this feeling, and this is just me, but I had a feeling like everybody in the room knew what was going on except for us. Finally, after several days of visiting Nick in the ICU, PCMO Candace Christian told the Castles the truth. And so one day we got in the car, and, you know, we had a Peace Corps driver, and then Candace was, like, in the front seat, and we were in the back seat, and she just... I asked her. How's, I you said, know, we, how's Nick doing? So she turned around. When I said, how's Nick doing today? Uh, she turned around and, and said, well... And I may not have this quote exactly right, but it was like, well you know that his eyes are fixed and dilated, right? Yeah. Candace told them that Nick's eyes were fixed and dilated. Sue had previously been a nurse, so she knew the implication of Candace's comment. Nick had no brain activity. So I kind of lost it there in the car. I mean, I was just hysterical in the car when she told us that. I mean, I, I just... Um, 
it wasn't what we were expecting to hear and um not at all i guess i have to be thankful that she had the courage to tell us what nobody else would tell us i mean i'm and it's taken me two and a half years to get to be able to say that and i think and in, in this is speculation like sue's alluding to it was almost in retrospect like candace was saying how long are we going to keep fooling these parents to have this hope i think it was like what the hell are we doing here and why why are we doing this the next day the castles went to an official meeting peace corps china staff members and nick's doctors from the hospital told the castles that nick's condition was not going to improve the castles gave their consent to have nick removed from the respirator on february 7th life support was discontinued nick's death was officially pronounced it was the spring festival chinese new year as the castles made preparations to leave china Alex Escobar left Chengdu for her site. No one expected Nick to pass away. IST had ended and I was like feeling a little bit better, like my bug sort of like ran its course. But I, I remember leaving IST and thinking like, he's probably just going to have to go home eventually because like, I know he's really sick. Like he'll probably stay in ICU and he'll get better. And, and then, and then he'll just have to go home. And so I think I had been at site for like a day or two and we got an email from the country director that said that Nick had passed away and there were some people that she had called who he was like closer to and I just got it in an email and I pretty much fell apart. I broke down and I like started crying and I just knew I couldn't stay like where I was by myself. And so I, like, ran outside of my apartment and was like, I'm just going to get on a, on a bus and I'm going to, like, go buy a train ticket to, like, get to um, my friends that were, like, staying in another city. And so I just, like, bought a train ticket and then I, like, ran back home and then I, like, took a cab to the train station and I, like, went to um, be with other volunteers. Alex and the other volunteers in Nick's group returned to Chengdu to organize a memorial service for Nick. It was really sad. Um, Dr. Gao, the doctor that was treating him, was hysterical. Um, most Chinese people, like, culturally don't show much emotion. And she was in the back of the room and, like, could not stop crying. And everyone was upset. Like, we were all, like, encouraged to come up and speak. And I wish that, like, that is something that you could have heard and because all of the stories about Nick and, like, who he was as a volunteer, um, it, like, made you realize that you, like, lost a really, really good volunteer that, like, shouldn't have gone. Like, he was what Peace Corps is supposed to be. And so you, you left a bit early, I think, right? I did. It wasn't something that, like, I had been planning, um, at the end of May or beginning of June, um, I had gotten sick again, and it was, this time it was different. It was, like, the sickest I had ever been, and I ended up having to go to the hospital. Um, I had to kind of, Dr. Gao was, like, treating my illness at the time, and I remember, like, she told me, well, call me, like, every hour or so to, like, give me an update on what's happening. And, like, my stomach was cramping, and I was just, like, I felt awful, and I, like, threw up pretty much, like, all of the water I had had. 
and I couldn't stop it. And I was just getting more and more scared because I kept thinking like, I know more is coming out of me than I'm like able to take in. And I was going to the bathroom and throwing up more than, more than once in an hour. So like I was calling her and being like, Hey, like I'm really, really sick. And I was just like so scared. And so I finally just said like, I think that I need to be like hooked up to an IV. Like this has been going on for this many days. Like, and she was like, okay, I think that that's a good idea. I remember after that just being like, I am so tapped out at this point. Don't get me wrong, like Peace Corps was an amazing experience, but there was something very, very hard about having your your friend die, not knowing what caused that, and then getting sick in a lot of the same ways that he was and not getting any answers. And, and that was very discomforting because you wanted answers. You wanted to know, like, well, what happened? Like, how do I make sure that, like, I can stay safe for the rest of the time that I'm here? Alex didn't feel confident in the health care she was receiving. She ended her Peace Corps service early and returned to the United States. One year later, the Castles were back in California, and they were growing increasingly frustrated with Peace Corps. They had received Nick's death certificate, indicating that he had died from hypovolemia. In other words, he had died of low blood volume caused by dehydration. In addition, the Castles had several conversations and phone calls with Peace Corps staff members. Peace Corps staff members suggested to the Castles that Dr. Gao had been fired, when in fact she had not. Peace Corps continued to make misleading suggestions, like that small white lie that they told the Castles in China that Nick's coma had been medically induced. These misleading statements and suggestions began to look like a willful deception on the part of Peace Corps. Right around that time, we received a call from uh, Cheryl Stolberg from the New York Times wanting to talk to us. And we were pretty frustrated by then. Um, you know, we felt Nick's death was preventable and we didn't want it to happen to anybody else. And we wanted some very simple steps taken to prevent this. And so when Cheryl called and we talked to her and then she came out and interviewed us, I mean, we agreed and, you know, I was... Um, I was very resentful that I had to go public and that I had to share all the details of Nick's death so publicly because I felt I shouldn't have had to do that. Um, I felt that I kept waiting for, for... The Peace Corps to be honest. For them to do the right thing. And it just became more apparent that that wasn't going to happen. And we'd also, in the meantime, filed a claim against the Peace Corps because it was obvious that we had to get their attention. And I can tell you that if the Peace Corps, from the very beginning, had done what they said they were going to do, they were going to be honest and transparent, and they would have acknowledged responsibility, there never would have been a claim, because it was never about money, there never would have been a New York Times article. That's all we wanted was the truth. The claim against Peace Corps was denied, and the Castles dropped it. They didn't want money. The Castles wanted Peace Corps to admit that there were serious policy issues within the agency, which were putting volunteers in danger. The Castles were hoping that returned Peace Corps volunteers would be outraged by the incident, and that they would help demand reforms. But returned volunteers did not respond as they had hoped. The National Peace Corps Association is the largest Peace Corps alumni organization. 
NPCA claims that it is dedicated to advocating for, contributing to, and supporting the betterment of the Peace Corps. But the NPCA made no move to support the castles. Instead, one of their members actually published a rebuttal to the New York Times article. Gordon Radley is the former president of Lucasfilm. He also serves on the advisory council for the National Peace Corps Association. Five days after the New York Times article was published, Radley's rebuttal was published in SF Gate. The following is an annotated excerpt from the rebuttal. Peace Corps service is not without risk. I know that firsthand because my only brother was the first Peace Corps volunteer to die in service. He was killed in an airplane crash in 1962 on a remote mountaintop in the jungles of Colombia. The death from a sudden illness last year of Nick Castle reminds us that the risk of Peace Corps service never goes away. The Peace Corps is an imperfect institution. Unfortunately, our Congress, the Catholic Church, the United Nations, our military, to name just a few, are also imperfect institutions. I expect we would all agree that no institution is perfect, yet those imperfections do not negate the purpose and the mission. A year after my brother was killed in Peace Corps, my only sister volunteered to serve in Peace Corps in Colombia as well. My parents were often challenged by their friends to justify sending their remaining children into the Peace Corps. My parents' response is best expressed by John F. Kennedy, who told Peace Corps staff, There have been Peace Corpsmen who have already died in the service of their country, and in a larger sense, in the service of peace, and I suppose that others will find themselves giving up their lives. No cause, the cause of peace, is more worthy of that kind of contribution. Radley closed his rebuttal with the following statement. I hope such words will bring solace to the parents of Nick Castle. Radley's rebuttal makes a comparison between his own brother's death and the death of Nick Castle. The difference is that Radley's brother died in a plane crash, a freak accident. Nick Castle, on the other hand, died of simple dehydration in a hotel room in a modern city surrounded by Peace Corps volunteers and Peace Corps China medical staff, two miles from a hospital. Um, yeah, I saw that. I responded to it online. And um, he sent me an email, and I, and, and I said, you can support the Peace Corps, but you don't have to throw in Nick's death there like, well, it could happen to anybody. You know, don't let that stop you. That shouldn't... Support the Peace Corps, but leave Nick out of it. But I'm trying to work to make it better. I, I'm trying to make it better. So, no, I was very offended by that, that op-ed piece. But Gordon Radley's response was not the only one that the castles would receive. They heard from many returned Peace Corps volunteers. I was pretty shocked. Um, people were very defensive. I got a lot of letters. Um messages, emails, supporting us individually, but collectively, nobody wants to speak out against the Peace Corps. There's um, a culture that's deeply embedded about the great things that the Peace Corps does, and it doesn't want to look at bad things can happen too. It, it's like it's, it's, frustrating that people don't want to come forward, that people don't want to say anything. It's very so, frustrating, but I understand. It's almost like a code of silence. Yeah. Um, it's, and it, a culture of don't complain. 
yeah, there, there is a certain level of how tough a volunteer are you. The castle's argument that some Peace Corps policies are out of date and ineffective is not a new one. The Peace Corps Office of the Inspector General is an independent office within Peace Corps, tasked with preventing and investigating fraud, waste, abuse, and mismanagement within the agency. In 2012, the Office of the Inspector General investigated one of the oldest policies in Peace Corps, the so-called five-year rule. The five-year rule stipulates that Peace Corps staff members are limited to five years of employment with the agency. The five-year rule has been Peace Corps policy since 1965. The original intent of the rule was to ensure that there would always be new employees, new employees with fresh ideas coming into the agency. But the Office of the Inspector General found that rather than ensuring innovation, the five-year rule has had the opposite effect. The average Peace Corps employee only works for the agency for three years before moving on. This short tenure makes it very difficult for any employee to work long enough to identify, develop, test, and implement innovative ideas. The report also specifically mentioned that the five-year rule made it particularly difficult to recruit qualified doctors. The Office of the Inspector General would also investigate the death of Nick Castle. In November of 2014, they released their final report on the incident. The report would describe Nick Castle's treatment as a series of cascading failures and delays. The report found that Dr. Gao did not maintain adequate records and that she falsified records after the incident. The report also recommended that Peace Corps reassess their medical policies, particularly those related to teamwork and communication. Dr. Gao resigned from Peace Corps China just prior to the publication of the report. I think once the Inspector General's report came out... Um, it verified all our uh, It, it confirmed concern. what we were saying. Yeah. The Castles hope that the publication of the Office of the Inspector General report will help them gain more support from returned Peace Corps volunteers. I hope I can work with the uh, National Peace Corps Association on advocacy for accountability um, because people can say they want to change, but these changes have to be mandated. I, I know I have a long road ahead of me, um, but I'm not going anywhere. Sue Castle continues to advocate for Peace Corps policy reform. Why do you think it is that Peace Corps volunteers don't share stories like this? They're hard to share, <laughs> for starters. Um, it's not easy for me to like sit here and like talk to you about all of like to remember all of like the really really traumatic things that happened to me yeah. while I was in China and I I don't think people want to remember those parts but I think we kind of owe it to every Peace Corps volunteer that comes after us to share like those times of hardship I know if if Nick was still alive and what happened to him happened to someone else in the Peace Corps I know he would be pissed off and he would do something about it. Many months before Nick Castle's death, he visited the Zhaoju Temple, one of the oldest Buddhist sites in Chengdu. He wrote about this visit in his blog and posted this quote from the Dhammapada. There is no fire like passion. There is no losing throw like hatred. There is no pain like this body. There is no happiness higher than rest.
We reached out to Peace Corps Director Carrie Hessler-Radlett for comment regarding Nick Castle. A Peace Corps spokesperson got in touch with us and sent this comment. The Peace Corps family continues to grieve the loss of Nick Castle, and we share his family's commitment to ensuring the agency does everything it can, every single day, to protect the health, safety, and security of our volunteers. It's the same comment they made in response to the New York Times article and the Office of the Inspector General report. The National Peace Corps Association sent us the following statement. The NPCA advocates to address policy issues that improve the Peace Corps experience. We welcome the input of the Castle family and others toward that end. This episode of the Posh Corps podcast was produced and recorded by Alan Toth and Lauren Schwartzman. Nick's blog entries were read by David Morley. Additional recordings by Nick Castle.